If knowledge can create problems, it is not through ignorance that we can solve them. Hello, and welcome to the sixth episode of the Jeffers Podcast. Or if you're in a not-safe-for-work-be-damned environment, Jen Frankel reads random shit. I am Jen Frankel, writer of said random shit. But at the beginning of this episode, you heard me read a quote from Isaac Asimov. This episode is... Please learn to shoot a gun. Isaac Asimov also famously wrote in his groundbreaking and visionary novel, Foundation, Violence is the last refuge of the incompetent. The words were said by one of my all-time favorite characters in fiction, Salvor Hardin, who also says at one point, He's merely the product of his environment. He doesn't understand much except that I got a gun and you ain't. Isaac Asimov taught me a lot about being human and about being both knowledgeable and responsible. He taught me to be both cynical about the motives of those in charge and hopeful that better acts will win out over more selfish motivations. I can't help returning to foundation whenever politics, ideology, and violence come together, as in the responses across America and the world to mass shootings. Today's episode was actually supposed to be about fairy tales, but in the wake of two of the worst mass shootings in U.S. history happening in little more than a month, and the backlash against any closer look at gun regulations in that country, I think it's fair to say that my thoughts have been elsewhere. A few years ago, I had the pleasure of one hell of an odd day at the West Edmonton Mall. This thing is so enormous that although I didn't ride the indoor roller coaster, we did manage to have makeovers and see the dolphin show on the same day. I also visited the gun range, my first time. This essay came out of that stimulating experience. I've never believed that you can hold an opinion on something you've never done, or at least observed at close proximity. Shooting targets in the West Edmonton Mall was my first exposure to lethal firepower up close, and it taught me a very simple lesson, which I'm going to share with you today in an essay called, Please, Learn to Shoot a Gun. It is an open question whether any behavior based on fear of eternal punishment can be regarded as ethical or should be regarded as merely cowardly. Margaret Mead Everyone should learn to shoot a handgun. Pick up that heavy chunk of metal or that surprisingly light polymer. Its shape, familiar to you from movies and television, may jolt you a bit. It has weight. It has a smell. Have you loaded a weapon? Open the chamber or pop the clip. Pick up a round. Each bullet passes through human fingers many times at the point of manufacture, at the point of packaging. And now, here with you, it is your fingers that will take each projectile from box or container, yours that press it into its spot in the clip or slide it into the gun. Guns don't kill people, they say. One bumper sticker follows this up with, big messy holes and vital organs kill people. And behind every shooting is a finger on that trigger, a hand that loaded the gun. Guns don't shoot themselves, and they don't load themselves. We do. So you should learn. 
The gun is this century's answer to the medieval moat. A moat was designed to keep out everyone unless the castle's owner decided otherwise. It was a passive defense, but it allowed for a certain amount of measured choice. Imagine in such an uncivilized time as that, you would have had to have time to survey a threat and to choose how to answer it. A gun, by its very nature, is an actively defensive weapon, which in other words, is an offensive one. You can threaten with it, but it's only effective if it's clear you'll use it. The threat must be imminent to have any power. A gun is not a moat. When a householder owning a gun is threatened, there is no room for measured, considered response. It's like putting the nuclear button beside the president's bed and calling him in a panic in the middle of the night. Sir, someone's breaking into the country. You have to fire now. I'm sure he'll respond with great restraint. We should have learned the slippery nature of the threat as deterrent during the long Cold War. I was achingly aware during the 80s when I was in school that the United States and USSR both had nuclear weapons and either might use them. Did I feel safe? Of course not. To make matters stickier for those who still want to believe in the potential for violent response making for a safer world, what was our greatest fear? That diplomacy might break down and that someone on one side or the other would sadly shake his great wise head and press the button? No, that some idiot or group of idiots, would do it out of fear, or by accident, or out of sheer malice. We believed that by their very actions, by the proliferation itself, that the people at the top had demonstrated they were less than reliable. Who in their right minds would stock weapons they didn't ever intend to use? It follows that if a country commits so much of its money and resources to the development and purpose of weapons, someday it will feel a growing urge to use them. If it can't, what follows naturally is what we've seen during periods where the hawks rule in the states. When a government is deprived of the ability to use its best toys, even by its own rules, it always wants to own or develop new toys to ease its disappointment. What other excuse could there be for the periodic revival of Ronald Reagan's thoroughly discredited Star Wars project? It's an idea that's been tried around the world, using missiles to shoot down other missiles. It's harder than it sounds. But they keep trying. And why? Because they believe it's possible. And because faith is absolute. And that's the real problem with a lack of separation between church and state. Their problem-solving methods are completely incompatible. Now that's fine. The problem-solving methods of liberals and conservatives have kept them historically apart, even in times when their ends are the same. And those different methods sometimes lead to far greater improvements in society. But church ends are not state ends, and proof for one is hearsay to the other, or heresy or worse. But historically, both have put guns in the hands of followers, be they true believers or soldiers. You could say this is where the church and state traditionally come on side with each other, when there is a common enemy and force is the chosen response. So again I say, learn to shoot a handgun. Many of us never will. Most of us can only imagine the smell of cordite on a firing range if it's described to us, perhaps, in a thriller. About half the people listening to this podcast will have fired a gun at some point in their lives. 
And many of those will not be handguns. They will be rifles and other long guns, working guns. That means that almost half of you have no idea just how loud a gun is. Because if you believe the movies, you can stand right next to a gun being fired and not temporarily lose your hearing. Most of us have heard of recoil, but not all of us have felt it pound them backwards a fraction of a second after the round explodes away. Most of us have never smelled the metallic scent lingering on fingers that have just pressed 45 caliber bullets into a clip or slammed a clip home into the most deadly personal killing machine ever devised by man to use against man. And thank whatever God you believe in, most of us will never use that kind of power against a human being. But you should shoot a handgun, because this is the handgun's purpose. It is not a tool. It is not for farmers to use against marauding rural vermin. It is an engine which causes an explosion to be directed laser-like through a thin tube, pushing ahead of it a tumbling projectile which will, on introduction to flesh, rip and tear and destroy. We spend billions on healthcare to prevent and correct little flaws in the human body. A closed bile duct here, a blocked artery there. We train brilliant men and women to perform microsurgery with lasers and fiber optic tubes to save people whose illnesses we couldn't even diagnose a hundred years ago. And in a world where people can be saved from diseases that would have been an automatic death sentence within living memory, we still take up handguns and other killing machines, turn them on other people, and blow away vital organs, shred hearts and livers, scramble brains like eggs. To make an omelet, say those who want to explain killing in the name of peace, you must break some eggs. People are not eggs. When you break them, you do not get omelets. You get blood, exposed viscera, ruined organs. You can scramble a brain, but you will never get an omelet. You can in a second put a human being past the ability of the world's best doctor to repair. You destroy, you maim, you kill. You may say I am being harsh, but it is not liberal or conservative, hawk or dove, to state the following. When a high-speed projectile of any kind rips through a human being, be it a bullet from a soldier's gun or shrapnel from a suicide bomber's payload, the result on flesh is equal. That is why you should learn to shoot a handgun. To realize if you are responsible and humane, no one should. Next time on the Jeffers podcast, I'm again planning to do an episode about fairy tales and writing modern fables, as long as current events don't distract me again. In the meantime, you can read more of my writing at jenfrankel.com or on wattpad.com, username jenfrankel. You can also read the first novel of my supernatural thriller series, Blood and Magic, there. It's called The Last Rite. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please follow me on Twitter at Jen Frankel or on Instagram at Jen Frankel Author. I also write books, and you can find them on your country's Amazon website. You can also subscribe to the podcast on TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, iTunes, or your favorite app. I would love to hear your comments and questions and suggestions of what I might read in an upcoming episode. Be sure to rate this podcast wherever you listen, and you'll have 
my unending gratitude. That's going straight on your karmic credit card, baby. Thank you for spending some time with me. Keep writing, reading, and listening, and I'll see you next time on Jen Frankel Reads Random Shit. All content on the Jeffers podcast is written and composed by Jen Frankel, production by Jen Frankel and Sultan Ridwan. 